Hello, this is Josh Christman, pastor of the Anchor Church of Cambridge, located in Cambridge, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life that God has called you to live. Amen. Praise the Lord. John chapter 4. The Gospel of John chapter 4. And verse, start reading at verse 3. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord this morning. We're glad that you've chosen to be with us today. The Anchor Church of Cambridge, if you're watching online, we're thankful that you've chosen to tune in and be a part of this service today. Amen. Let me know the church wouldn't be the church without the people. This is just a building. This is not the church. We're the church. Somebody say, I'm the church. Verse 3. And the word of the Lord says, He left Judea, and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. What's, why put that in there? He's gone somewhere, there must be a purpose, but he, specifically in the writing, let us know that there was a great need for him to go through Samaria. In order to go through Samaria, it was, it was a, a detour. It was out of his way. Come on, go ahead, bring him up here. It was out of his way to, to go through Samaria, but they let us know he, he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidest thou truly. (laughs) She should have said, I don't have husbands. (laughs) The 
The woman says, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Somebody say, Talking to Jesus now. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, you know not what. You're, you're worshiping, but you don't even know what you're worshiping. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee, am he. Amen. I wonder if you can lay your Bibles down this morning. I want to preach to you on this subject. He is the well. Somebody say, he is the well. I wonder if you could lift your hands to the Lord one more time in the building. Every person, lift your voice unto God right now and just pray right now. God, I speak to you. Ask the Lord to speak to you. Come on. Lord, we need you today, God. Have your way in this house today. Come on, lift your voice unto the Lord today. What do you need from God? Lord, speak to me. Speak to my heart. Speak to my situation, Lord. Help the preacher today. Come on, help the preacher to, to speak under the unction of the Holy Ghost. God, anoint our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to be understanding of your word. I pray that you would help me to preach, God, that which you put on my heart to preach, God, and have your will in your way, and that your word would not return unto you void, but but it was accomplished that which you've sent it to. And God will give you all the praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord one more time. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I feel like I've already preached. Somebody say, get ready. Man, elbow your neighbor and tell him, get ready. Are you going to preach with me this morning? Are we going to have some fun? Amen. Are we going to let the word speak to us? Amen. Are we we got to have a desire for the truth. Somebody say, amen. I want to have a desire for the truth. I want to know that I'm walking in truth. Amen. I want to have, the, 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 the word says, buy the truth and sell it not. Amen. How many know that uh, it takes something to buy the truth? Amen. You have to purchase the truth. Buy the truth and sell it not. Amen. Uh, Jesus said it's like treasure hid in a field that when a man discovers it or knows that it's there, that he will sell all that he has. Is everybody with me? And buy that field. Amen. Understanding the value of the field. When he understood that truth was buried in that field, he sold everything that he had to buy that field because he understood something that what's in that field is more valuable than everything that I have. Amen. We have to understand today that truth is more valuable than anything I have. It's more valuable than anything that I possess. It's more valuable than any belief system. It's more valuable than tradition. Come on, it's more valuable than routine. It's more valuable than a denomination. It's more valuable than that church or this church. Come on, it's more valuable than anything that man has put together because truth, it does not regard man, but it regards God. In order for us to buy the truth, we have to lay down our 
belief systems. We have to lay down things that we hold dear. We have to lay down our daily routines. We have to lay down our past and our traditions and everything that we hold dear as men and women that live in the earth. And we have to begin to value what God values. The only thing that's ever going to stand at the end of all this is truth. If our lives are not founded on truth, they will not stand. If our lives and what we believe is not founded in the truth of God's word, it will not stand. I don't know about anybody else in the building, but I want to be founded on truth. Clap your hands to the Lord and love him today. He's worthy. Amen. It does matter what you believe. It does. It matters what you believe. Because ultimately, we, we do what we believe. Amen. Faith is not necessarily just believing. Amen. But faith put to practice is the operation of doing what we believe. Amen. We ultimately are what we believe. We have to understand that faith without works is dead being alone. Like the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. This body without the spirit is just an empty shell of a being. But with the spirit, it is a alive and well. I come to tell you faith comes alive when we begin to put to practice the things that we believe. I I tell you Christianity without works is just an empty shell. But Christianity with the works of God's word is faith being put to practice and faith being put to practice is very powerful. Somebody say amen. Amen. I want to do the word. Amen. I want to know that my feet are founded upon the rock. Amen. Study to show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There has to be some understanding that if you're going to get what God has for you, you're going to have to bury your nose in this book and you're going to have to study. Come on. I don't just mean read for entertainment. I'm talking about get in the word, study the word, break down the word, chew on the word, digest the word, let it get in you, let it overtake every every cell in your being until it begins to come out your pores and come out your mouth and come out your hands and come out your feet and become an action from the heart. Somebody say amen. That's what it means to be a Christian. It's not just a profession. It's an action. You can tell me whatever you want to tell me, but the proof's in the pudding. Come on, you can't just talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. Come on, you just can't claim it on Sunday. When Monday get, when you get out of your bed on Monday, you got to have the same values and the same morals and the same faith that you did on Sunday. The same convictions that drove you to the house of God should cause you to do the right thing on Monday. Somebody say amen. It matters what you believe. Amen. The Bible says the heart is is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Amen. This generation would like to tell us to just trust our hearts. Don't trust your heart, please. Amen. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things out of all the things that come out of the heart deception is at the top of the list amen we want to believe ourselves to be good people amen and good upstanding citizens but we have to understand that the heart of man I'm not talking about just one or two people I'm talking about all of us Without the guidance of the word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit, come on, and without having spiritual authority in our lives, our hearts, we are, it's deceitfully wicked, amen. I will figure out a way to get what I want and feel good about it. I 
will figure out a way to, to do what I want to do and feel good about it. Come on. I know. It steps on our toes. I'll, I'll, I'll try to find a scripture to back up what I want to believe. I'll take it out of context and apply it to my life and say, the reason I do this is because of this scripture. Amen. But understand that that scripture is not given of any private interpretation. Come on. God wrote that out of the logos, the divine purpose and eternal purpose of the word of God to change the lives of every man that it enters into. Amen. I don't need to try to find a scripture to back up my sin. I need to try to find a scripture that pulls me out of sin, that frees me from sin, that eradicates it from my belief systems. Somebody say amen. I don't need a license to sin. I need something that's going to help me be right. Come on. I need something powerful enough to pull me out of the depths of where my own actions got me into. I need something real. Come on. I need something anointed. I need something powerful. Somebody say amen. This verse implies that the heart is unpredictable, unstable, and weak. On the surface... We have reasons for the beliefs that we have that make them seem logical and reasonable and at times persuasive, but are actually very deceptive. Many people choose their beliefs on the basis of how they want to live. Many people choose their belief systems on how they want to live, what the church will allow, Come on, what the pastor will allow, what freedoms they can have. Come on, somebody. The acceptance of the truth of God's word would require major change in their life. It would mean a turning from the way, their ways and putting their trust in God's ways. The truth will challenge everything in our lives. It'll challenge our daily routine. It'll challenge the things that we depend on to get us through. It'll challenge what we put our hope in. It'll challenge what we believe, who and what and where and how we worship. It'll challenge our past and our present. Come on, it'll challenge everything around us, but we have to make up our mind on hearing the truth. I'm going to lay down anything and everything that stands in the way or stands in resistance to God's will and God's word for my life. God's word has to be of utmost importance. If it's not this morning, then we are wasting our time. Why don't we stand to our feet, lift our hands to God and say, God, I want your truth to prevail in my life. I want it to prevail in my actions. I want it to prevail in every area of my life. In Jesus' name. Come on, lift your voice unto the Lord. Woo! I want your truth to prevail. In Jesus' name, you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Somebody say truth. Jesus, in planning his Routine for that day had already made up his mind that there was a detour that he had to make. He had, he had to get to Galilee, but he had to go through Samaria to get there. The road to Samaria to get from where he was at, Judea, to, to through Samaria and then to, to Galilee was, that's a rough travel, a rough journey. Amen. Mountainous terrain. Rough terrain, hard to walk, amen. These days, we just get on our four-wheeler. Right, Brother Harbaugh? Buzz right up there. Amen, I heard a guy say he was dealing with his son and his son wanted to have long hair. And he said, he said you're not having long hair. And he said, well, Jesus had long hair. He said, Jesus walked everywhere he went too. is not entirely true. There's at times he translated himself. Somebody say amen. But you get the, the gist of it. Amen. Uh, anyway. I don't even know why I said that. 
He's going to go through Samaria. He's made up his mind. He's going to make the trip to Samaria. There's a reason why. Because there's purpose there. Amen. There, there, there's purpose waiting on him. Jesus did everything for purpose. Amen. The purpose, the, the, his whole purpose of being was the souls of mankind. His whole purpose of coming into the earth were, the, were to save the souls of mankind, to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. Understanding that the souls of men are more valuable to him than anything else. Come on. Our soul was more valuable to him than his own life. Where we would end up for eternity was more valuable to him than, than his whole life. Amen. I think the Lord cares more about our eternity than we do. But when we begin to understand the sacrifice that he, he paid and the things that he did and all the things that he endured for us, amen, everything that he, he did and, and withstood was a contradiction of who he was, but he took it upon him. Why? For you and for me. When you begin to look at the sacrifice and the, the, the path that he went through to get to us and to free us from what ailed us, it'll have you a newfound respect for your soul, amen. It should cause you to value your own soul for his sake somebody say amen he went to Samaria somebody say he went to Samaria he found his way to the Jacob's well and sat on Amen. the Bible says he was wearied from his journey because it was a hard trip amen he was human he had a human body he's sitting on the well he's tired his disciples leave and leave him sitting there now, you have to understand a little bit of the history and where they were actually at. Okay, can you stay with me for a minute? Jacob's well, okay, was in the valley of Shechem. Okay, it was right at the, at, at where you would come out between, from the valley of Shechem into an opening. It's right on the edge of the ridge, okay? The valley of Shechem, we understand, is the valley of decision. We understand that the valley of Shechem, that's where, that's where God told Moses to take the children of Israel. He said, take them to the valley of Shechem. Take them down between the two mountains. On one side was Mount Ebal, and on the other side was Mount Gerizim. Amen. Mount Ebal was desolate. Mount Ebal was lifeless. It was rocky. It didn't have any life on it or any signs of life. It was just rock and dirt. Amen. But Mount Gerizim was flourishing with life. It was, it was flourishing with trees. And it was flourishing with fruit and, and, and animal life and everything that there is. There's plenty of proof of the signs of life on Mount Gerizim. And he said, I want you to stand in Mount in the valley of Shechem between Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. And I want you to look at Mount Ebal and I want you to say, if you choose not to follow the commandments of the Lord, your life is going to be like this mountain. Amen. It's going to be like Mount Ebal. And half the tribes of Israel were standing on Mount Ebal. And half of them were standing on the side of death. Amen. And then he looked at Mount Gerizim and he said, if you choose to follow the Lord, amen, then your life is going to be like Mount Gerizim flourishing with blessing and half the tribes were on that side and then he said choose you this day whom you will serve right amen how many know that before before Joshua died God gave him a commandment to take the children of Israel back to Shechem again and have them stand half on one side and half on the other and quote to them the commandments of the Lord this is what's going to bring you blessing and this is what's going to bring you cursing if you follow the commandments of the Lord you're going to have blessing for your life if you don't follow the commandments of the Lord, you're going to have cursing for your life. He said, choose this day between death and life. Choose between his, his commandments and doing it your own way. And he says, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I've already made up my mind. We're going to do it God's way. Amen. It was the same valley. Amen. How many know that, that, that the valley of Shechem, all the patriarchs of Israel, they, they traveled through the valley of Shechem. In fact, it's called 
the, the way of the patriarchs. Amen. Because they all traveled through Mount, uh, through the valley of Shechem because nobody can escape the valley of decision. Nobody can stand in between life and death. Nobody can get on, not decide to be on one side or the other. Amen. Understand today that the purpose for your existence is to get on God's side and have the blessing of the Lord live through your life. He said, choose me and you shall live. Choose your own way and you shall die. Somebody say amen. amen. Nobody gets out without choosing. You're not going to ride the fence. You're not going to sit in the middle. You're not going to have one leg in the world and one leg in the church. Come on. He'll let you exist for like that for a while. He'll give you grace to get you over the fence and into the church. Come on. But I want to tell you, you better be careful of what's got a hold of your feet. You better be careful of what's tempting you. You better be careful of the decisions that you're making because it's one hand, it's one decision away. Come on. We are one decision away from life and death. That valley opened up into an opening where there was a crossroads. And one went north and one went south. One went toward Jerusalem and one went away from Jerusalem. They came out at the brink of, of the, the valley. Whenever you come to the end of one road, right, and there's a T in the road or you can only choose one way or the other, they call that like a crossroads, right? They call it, uh, at this point, you can't continue on where you're at. You got to make a decision. This road is ending. You got to choose one way or the other. You have a decision to make. Elbow your neighbor and say, you got a decision to make. My decision, hear me this morning, dictates my direction. What I decide dictates what direction I go. Amen. And what direction I go dictates my destination or where I'm going to end up. You can't go the wrong way and end up at the right place. It's, it seems simple, but it's true. If I go out here to the interstate and I want to go to Columbus, but I get on and go east, Kaylin, I don't care how far how fast you drive east, you're not going to make it to Columbus. I don't care how, how positive your thinking is. Come on. I don't care how well that you try to persuade me that you're going to end up in the right place. I don't care how much uh, exploring you've done or studying you've done or investigating you've done to try to prove to me that you're going to end up in Columbus. Uh, basic uh, logic tells me you're going east. You're going to end up at the east coast. You're going to end up at the Atlantic Ocean. Come on. Your road's going to end one of these days, uh, but it's going to end up in the wrong place. In order to get where you want to end up, you got to go the right direction. you got to choose the right thing. It starts in the valley of Shechem. Every person under the sound of my voice, every person that's ever been birthed through the womb of a woman, you're going to come to a moment in time where you have a crossroads, where you have a decision to make. And ultimately that decision is going to end up where you spend eternity. It's not God's fault. It's not your parents' fault. It's not the community's fault. It's not the church's fault. You have a right to choose. Nobody can take that from us. I have a right to choose. Amen. As, much, as bad as I want to make every decision for my children, I can't. As bad as I want to be involved in everything that they do and every decision they make and, and, and the, the roads that they're choosing to take and I, I want to dictate what they do and what they don't do, I have to realize as a parent that they have to 
find their own way. They have to decide for themselves who they're going to serve. They have to decide for themselves if they're going to obey the commandments of God. They have to decide for themselves if they're going to stay in church. I'm not just preaching to my kids today. I'm trying to give you an understanding. It rests upon you today. You're at a crossroads. You have a decision to make. What's it going to be? opening of that that valley was Jacob's well. Jesus made his way to the valley of Shechem. Sat on the well waiting on somebody. You know the Lord cares about us. cares he goes out of his way to find us even though we sometimes feel like we don't need to be found and sometimes we're okay in our existence he finds us anyways because he loves us this woman she come to the well carrying she comes to the well with her vessel I come to get some water she comes to the well and she sees Jesus sitting on the well he's like will you give me a drink see they would take their vessel they would hook it they would dip down and get their water pull it back up take their vessel and go. Jesus didn't have a vessel. He was the vessel. He, he was the water, right? Give me the drink. She's like, you're a, you're a Jew. And, and I'm a Samaritan. Um, we don't have any dealings with y'all people. <laughs> you may know what I'm talking about. We have any dealings with y'all because... Uh, there's, there's religious walls here. There's some things separating us. Uh, we don't have any dealings with you, and you, you don't have any dealings with us. Why are you asking me to give you a drink? Amen, he says. If you knew who was talking to you and who he was, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water that you never thirst again. You see, you're coming to this well today to fill up your vessel because it's empty. And you're going to fill your vessel up with this water and you're going to go back home and it's going to run out and it's going to be empty. And it's, you're going to have to come back to this well. Amen. Because the things, anytime that our focus is on natural things, we have to understand there's an end to those things. Anything that you can see with your eyes is, it has an expiration date. Come on, it will not last forever. The things that you see with your eyes are temporary. Somebody say they're temporal. That means they're temporary. That means they won't last forever. They're going to waste away. They're going to go away. It's going to be exhausted. It's going to expire. Amen. Uh, if I put my hope in the things that I'm filling my vessel with that are of this world, uh, you have to understand you're going to be disappointed because they're going to run out. I don't care what it is. If you put your, your, your faith in natural relationships, people are going to let you down. If you put your faith in money, there's going to be a day where that's going to run out. Come on. If you put your faith in this body, uh, one of these days, this body is going to go to the grave. Amen. It's going to go back to the earth. From the earth it came and to the earth it shall return. Amen. Ashes to ashes, dust and dust. We realize that we are made of clay and our bodies are going to go back to the dirt. Amen. Everything that you see with your eyes is natural and it is temporary. He's telling her, you're filling your vessel with everything that you can get a hold of that's natural, but it keeps running out. It's not fulfilling you. It's not bringing satisfaction. It's not doing for you what you want it to do. But but I'm sitting on the well here 
today to tell you that there's another option. Amen. You don't have to put all your faith and your trust in the things that you can hold with your natural hand. You have to understand that there is something spiritual that you need to get a hold of. There is something that's far beyond the natural that causes everything else to pale in comparison. Come on. How many know there has to be a time in our lives when we look to the spiritual things of God, when we bypass the natural, we bypass what we got in our hands, we bypass what we're hoping for, and we look to only God. Somebody say amen. She's come to the place where she's empty. I've come to draw. She says, give me some of this water. Give me some of this water that I won't have to come here to draw anymore. Give, give me some of this water that, that, that I won't have to I won't have to make this trip up here to this well anymore. He says, see, she's stuck in the natural. She's stuck in wanting God to give her something that's going to take away what she has to do naturally. She, she's the, the He's speaking to her spirit. Amen. But she's holding on to the natural. Give me this blessing, this spiritual blessing, so that I can, I can not have to go draw water anymore. Natural water. You're missing the point. Give me this spiritual blessing so that I won't have to fulfill my natural duties anymore. Come on. Isn't that the way that the world sounds? The, the, the church of this world wants to say that, that the reason that God wants to bless you is to bless you with all the natural things that this world has. Come on, give me this so that I can have all the money I want. Give me your blessing so that I can so that I can have everything that this world has. Give me your blessing so that I don't have to want anymore. Amen. It's not about the natural man. How many know that the spiritual blessing of God will overtake every area of your life? But that's not the purpose. The purpose is to get you connected with the purpose of God so that God can take the essence of his life, put it on the inside of us, and change our longings, change our desires, change on what... Our our dreams and our aspirations. Come on, get a hold of us and teach us of spiritual things that there's a better hope, a better world. Come on, a better heaven that's ahead of us. There's something beyond this earth. This earth is not everything. Somebody say amen. She couldn't get her eyes off of it. She couldn't let go of the, the empty vessel. Amen. Holding on to the empty vessel, she says, well, are you greater than our fathers? Are you greater than the man that dug this well? Uh, are you greater than Abraham and Isaac? Jacob? You know, this is Jacob's well. He dug this well. He and his family and his generation, they drank out of this well. You know, she's holding on to tradition. She's holding on to the way that she was brought up. Come on. She's holding on to, 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 to mommy and daddy and, and grandma and grandpa and what they believe. The truth standing right in front of her. And she's still dead set on drinking out of that well because she believed that that well was their inheritance. But understand the land that he was talking about was not a natural land. It was not a natural well. Yeah, that, that was a representation of something. But you don't even understand what you're talking about because that well was a representation of the one that would come. Come on. The one that would be a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. How I many know oh, Jesus the well was sitting on the well to give her a revelation of living water that he would give her so she could step beyond the natural and into the spiritual. Somebody say amen. But you got to let go of that vessel. Amen. Here's what we do. We're empty. Has anybody ever experienced emptiness? Being empty on the inside. We, we take and try to fill that vessel up with anything that we can get a hold of that will take away that emptiness. That's why people turn to drugs. That's why people turn to alcohol. That's why people turn to sex. Come on, illicit sex. That's why people turn to pornography. That's why people turn to to. to, to 
money. That's why people turn to sin in general. Amen. Trying to find because there's pleasure in sin for a season. Amen. And the pleasure of sin will minister to the needs of your natural body because your natural body is a sinful creature. Come on, somebody. It will minister. And so your body will respond to sin in a positive way. It'll give the body the results that it wants. But when it's finished, there's pleasure in sin for a season. But when it's finished, all of a sudden you're empty again. And you got to go back and get that fix again. You got to go back and get that remedy again. And, and, and every time that she would come back, she'd fill her vessel and go and live it out and come back to that well and fill her vessel and live it out. Come on. It's a, it's a, it's a mindless routine and circle that people live in uh, trying to find peace and trying to find a remedy for, for what they're experiencing and what they're going through. But I come to preach to this church today and anybody that'll listen online, uh, there's no peace in anything this world has to offer. The only peace that you're going to find real peace is from the Prince of Peace. It's from Jesus Christ. It's from the Spirit of the living God. Amen. She says, we worship on this mountain. And you worship in Jerusalem. And we think that this is the place where people ought to worship. And y'all think that Jerusalem is the place where y'all where people ought to worship. She's drawing a line between, come on, the truth of God and where she's at. Because Jesus has come to give her a revelation, but she can't let go of where she worships. They worshiped on Mount Gerizim. Mount Gerizim was the Mount of Blessing. Come on. Mount Gerizim was the place where, where, where it was flourishing with life, where he said, if you choose to do God's will, this is what your life's going to be like. They built a temple on that mountain thinking that if I build a temple here, then everything that this mountain represents is going to be in my life. That's not the way it works. You built your temple in Jerusalem, amen, and you worship there, amen. You, that's where you choose to worship. And Jesus speaks up and says, you don't even know what you're worshiping. You gotta be careful because whenever you begin to draw lines of delineation based on where you worship and the people you worship with, you're getting in trouble, come on, with God because the only people that truly worship God are people that worship him in spirit and in truth. The Father seeketh such to worship him and Jesus is trying to give her a revelation. I don't care that you're worshiping in Mount Gerizim. Neither do I care if you're worshiping in Jerusalem because the day is coming when they will neither worship the Father in Jerusalem or in Mount Gerizim, but they will worship God in spirit and in truth. What we do is we find God in a moment where we're spiritual and where the truth's able to get into our lives and we build a tabernacle there and we think that that's the only place that God can move in our lives when in reality that makes no difference. He can move in Walmart. He can move in Aldi. Come on. He can move down at the park. He can move out on the street. He don't need a building in order to move. He needs somebody that believes in him. somebody that has a desire for truth and somebody that wants to worship him in spirit. Come on. Somebody that wants to give him all that they are. Come on. He was telling her, it don't matter where you're at or where you come from. I want to touch your life. Amen. Amen. How many know that the disciples went to sleep and Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration? And the Bible says that he was transformed. And Moses and Elijah come and talk to him. Read it. It's in the Bible. Talking to him about the death that he's going to die. Peter wakes up and the disciples, and they tried to explain it with their words, but their words cannot describe what he looked like. Hey Amen. He was... The, the light was so bright they couldn't hardly see, but they, they, they saw Moses and they saw Elijah and they saw Jesus communing with them. He allowed them to see it. And all of a sudden they were gone and it was just Jesus standing there. 
because he was more than just a man. You know, we're more than just men and women. We are spirits. Peter said, Lord, we need to build three tabernacles. <laughs> tabernacle for you, tabernacle for Moses, and a tabernacle for Elijah to commemorate what we saw here today. He's like, what? You're missing the point. We need to stay in this place. I'm surprised they didn't build a church there and bring all Jerusalem back down to that mountain where he was transfigured so they could try to turn that into something because they experienced the presence of God in that. Amen. It's not necessarily the place where you're at. It's the mindset that you're in. It's the state of your spirit. It's your desire to, to want God's way and want the truth in your life. It's your desire to want to be what God wants you to be. This woman, she says, okay, he says, all right, go get your husband. And bring him back, and, and then we'll talk about this some more. Okay. Can you see her? You know, so you, you, you call somebody on, you know, there, something they get a little fidgety. Uh, can't look you in the eye. Um, I don't have a husband. It's the best answer I can come up with. He's like, no, you don't. You've had five husbands, and the one you're with now—that's not your husband. In that moment, it became real to her. Because before that moment, it, it was bypassing the state of her heart. Right? It was bypassing the, the state of her life, the, the state that her life was in, the, the circumstances of her life. It was bypassing all of that. Amen. Jesus telling us what he wants to give us. Jesus ministering to us and telling us he has something far better than what we've been experiencing. Jesus ministering to the good, trying to trying to minister faith in our lives. How many know some of us never get out of that state? Amen. Because the only way past that is to acknowledge where you're at right now. And Jesus knew that he could not get her state to a heart, her heart to a state of sincerity without, without, without focusing on what she'd been through. Because this is personal. Somebody say it's personal. Now Jesus didn't come all that way to condemn her. Don't get the wrong idea. He didn't come all that way just to tell her all the wrongs that she had committed. No, he didn't. But he wanted to see the state of her heart. Would you, will you acknowledge your sin? Well, you should try to lay it aside and not repent of it or not acknowledge it because if, if you're doing that, then you're not in a place of truth. Come on. You're not in a place of sincerity. Amen. You're not in a place of transparency. In order, when you come to God, you, you got to realize he already knows. You know, it's, anybody ever have any problem with their kids sometimes telling the truth? It's in us, man. It is when we feel like we're going to get in trouble, we'll lie in a second. Nobody's laughing, but it's true. Every one of you has lied. If you haven't lied, raise your hand. Now I got six witnesses. you know be one of my kids that raised her hand I forget where I'm at you're just baffling me he knows he knew what 
life was before he left Judea. Come on, he knew what he was going to be, uh, uh, what he was going to be running into before he even left and made the journey. He knew what type of uh, past that she had. He knew what she'd been through. He knew the bad decisions that she made. He knew the, the, that she couldn't stay in a bare marriage. Come on, he knew that she had been abused. He knew that 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 she had had a hard life. He knew that she was trying to fill her life with a bunch of nonsense. And the guy that she was with, she wasn't married to. She, he knew all of that, but he still chose to go through Samaria. In fact, the reason that he went through Samaria is because he knew all of that. And he knew that he had a remedy for her problem. Come on, your past is not the problem. It'll never be in the problem with God. In fact, it may be the only thing that pushes you to God. It might be the only thing that allows God to have a say in your world. Somebody say amen. Amen. He begins to read her mail. She's like, whoa. You mean, I've had that happen before. Preacher gets up preaching. You mean, begins walking through your living room. Talking the conversations that you had on the way to church. Now, who's been talking to the pastor, right? Who's been talking to the preacher? Is that, are they have my, my phone bug? must have my home bug. There must, the only people who's in that conversation was me and my wife. Come on, how many know it's real? Amen. How many know the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy? Anything that's going to be foretold is going to be his operation in it. Amen. It's going to be because he's involved in it and his purpose in it. And when Jesus comes to meet with you, there is an eternal purpose. It's not because you have a bad past. It's not because you've done this wrong or that wrong. It's because he's got the remedy for your life and he wants to change your world. Not just you, but everybody that you're connected to. Clap your hands to the Lord if you believe that. She said, I perceive that you're a prophet. (laughs) If you only knew. If you only knew who was talking to you. I perceive that, that you're a prophet. He's able to tell her all that she had done. That would, that would bring fear into a lot of our lives, wouldn't it? What if the Lord just started talking to you about everything that you've done? And, you know, that's got to happen. If we're going to be real with God, we just got to throw it all out on the table. Amen. This is who I am. This is what I've done. This is where I've been. He's not going to be surprised by it. Somebody say amen. In order to receive from the Lord, you have to be sincere. Now, I know I've said this from this pulpit before, but I'm going to say it again. Is that okay? Sincerity is transparency. Whenever we hide from God, it keeps him from doing what he wants to do. It resists him. Amen. It, it, it keeps, if she would not have acknowledged or if he would not have brought that up, she would not have known that she couldn't hide from him. If you think that you can hide from him, you're going to hide from him. And any time you hide from him, you move back into the darkness. Okay? You move back into the corner, into the darkness where you can be, where you're, you're, you're not going to be revealed or the light's not going to shine on you. Any time that you're open with God and transparent, it brings you into the light. Your deeds are made manifest in his sight, but it's not for his benefit. He already knows. It's for your benefit. Amen. Reveal your heart so that you can be free from what you're hiding from. 
when you cover it up, you move back into the darkness and you, you, you shield yourself from the light of God that wants to shine on you, which is truth. Somebody say amen. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Come on. How are you going to know that that's not who you are if you never open your heart up to God and say, this is what I've done. This is where I've been. This is what I've said. These are the types of things that I thought. I need you to help me. Come on. The moment that you step out into the light, God will reach in and take away that sin, take away the heartache, take away the sorrow, take away the wounds and give you something that you never thought that you could have. All it takes is sincerity and truth. Come on, being sincere and being true. Come on, acknowledging your sin, stepping into the light and saying, I can't take care of this myself, Lord. I need you to help me. And he will. Somebody say amen. Why don't we just lift our hands to the Lord right where we're at right now and say, God, I'm sincere before you. Would you stand to your feet right where you are? Lift your hands and say, God, I'm taking down the facade. I'm taking down the pretense. I'm taking it down right now. I'm, I'm taking it off. I'm revealing my heart to you. I need a change in my world. I need your living water. I need some hope. Come on. I need a fresh touch from your spirit. Come on, I need a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost in my life. Come on, I need a fresh dose of truth in my life. Come on, I've gotten a little bit away from where God wants me and I've stepped away from my purpose a little bit. I need to get back on track. Come on, open your heart to him and reveal the, the decisions that you made, the, 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 the bad decisions that you made and turn around. There's got to be one thing that happens for you to get back on track. First, you got to realize you're going the wrong way. If I'm heading towards wheeling and I keep seeing signs, wheeling 10 miles not seen a sign for Columbus. They should put a sign out there for one of my daughters' sake. If you're trying to go to Zanesville, you're going the wrong way. I like to pick on her. Once you realize you're going the wrong way, what do you got to do? You got to turn around. You know the the meaning of the word repent is to turn. It's as simple as that. When God pulls on your heart, come on! I've been there. I've been in the church for a long time, and I've been there where I was serving God and still made some decisions that I shouldn't have made said some things that I shouldn't have said. You may know what I'm talking about. Let my flesh get out of control. Speak my mind. You may know what I'm talking about. You stay on that road. You're, you're headed to a life of bitterness. You got to turn around. Not everybody's bad. Come on, not everybody's out for your detriment. Not everybody's against you. When you realize, I don't want to be on that road anymore. I got to turn around. If I'm going to make it to heaven, I'm going to make it to my final destination. I got to go God's way. You, you look for the, once you realize you're going the wrong way, what do you do? You look for the first exit ramp. I'm turning around. It's easy to get off on the wrong road. It's easy. You could just be paying attention to the scenery and life just kind of takes you that way. And you're like, well, I don't recognize any of this. Hey, Amen. I, 
I don't see any signs that I'm on the right road. Come on. Sometimes life sidetracks us, gets our attention, takes us away. We got to get back on track. Somebody say back on track. The only way to do that is to turn around. Just turn around. Godly sorrow worketh repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's his goodness that that leads us to understand that we're on the wrong road and we need to turn around and get on the right road. Somebody say it's the goodness of God. He could have left me where I was at. He could have left me in my mess. He didn't have to come to Samaria. He didn't have to make the journey to her. But he had something for her. I come to tell somebody in this house today, he didn't have to show up here today. He didn't have to go to the cross. He didn't have to reach for you when you're lost. Come on, he didn't have to reach for you when you were at your lowest and nobody else wanted to be around you. But he did, and he does, and he will, because he loves you. He's what we're looking for today. He has everything that we need today. If we could just come before him with humble hearts, open our hearts up with sincerity and truth. Come on, is there anybody in the building that just wants a fresh touch from the Lord today? Why don't we all gather around this altar together with our hands lifted and say, God, I want a fresh touch from your spirit today. Lord, I'm coming before you today in all sincerity. Say what you need to say, Lord. Do what you need to do, God. God, cut off what needs to be cut off, Lord. Minister to what needs to be ministered to. Heal what needs to be healed, God. Change what needs to be changed. But God, I put my heart in your hands. I'm yours, God. I don't have any answers, God. I got a lot of questions, but no answers, Lord. You have the answers. I pray that you would pour into me, Lord. Give me what I need today. There's a move of the spirit that's fixing to happen. Come on, when we lift our hearts in sincerity before God. God, I need you today. Come on. He will never turn away a sincere heart. Come on, move in here close. Come on. Come on, move in here close. It's okay. It's okay to get in the altar. Come on. It's okay to get close to the altar. Come on, reach for him. Reach for him. I don't ever want to appear that I don't need anything from God. God, I need you every day, every hour of every day, Lord. I need you in my life. God, I need your Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray, God, that you would fill us afresh. God, do what only you can do. Come on, reach for him. Let's repent together, everybody in the building. Lord, I'm sorry. Come on, pray with me. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things that I've focused on. I'm sorry, Lord, God, for getting on the wrong path. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things that I've done, the things that I've said, Lord, the things that I've thought, God. I'm sorry, God. For everything, Lord, evil that's come forth out of me, I'm sorry, God. I turn from it right now. Come on, tell him. I turn from it and I look to you, Lord. I pray, God, that you would pour into me today. Come on, lift your voice. Pour into me today, Lord. I praise your name, God. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love. Come on, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Oh!
Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church of Cambridge podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up with our weekly sermons. If you are in the Cambridge area, we invite you to join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Again, thanks for listening and we hope to see you soon.